You are listening to Daily Devotions with Pastor Robert Marsbach. We believe that these devotions will encourage and strengthen you. So tune in, connect, and be blessed. For any more information, please visit us online at lifechurchuk.org. Welcome to Live Devotions, and thank you for joining me today. I keep praying. It's the title of this devotion. I keep praying. You know, David said this here in Psalm 69, but I keep right on praying to you. And that little statement, and it's in the Living Bible, I'll read it to you, stuck in my heart years and years ago that I read it, underlined it, and it just got sewn into my heart by the Holy Spirit, and it just is pulling in me. It's pulling in me. Keep praying, Robert. Keep praying. Don't give up praying. Don't give up praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Yeah, but, but yep, yeah, no, keep praying. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, and keep praying. I just can't stop praying. It just keeps pulling in me. You see, the word of the Lord pulls action or motivates, compels action, the word of the Lord, so that we begin to act according to scripture, according to the life of the living word living in our heart and draw towards us those promises from being fulfilled, for being fulfilled. It's like the word in you pulls for that word to come to pass in your life. That's why it's so important to hide the Word of God in your heart, in your mind, and meditate in day and night, as David says in Psalm 1. So listen to this phenomenal psalm that I love with all my heart, Psalm 69, that has so helped me, especially from the Living Translation. Save me, O my God. (coughs) The floods have risen. Deeper and deeper I sink in the mire. The waters rise around me. I have wept until I'm exhausted. My throat is dry and hoarse. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to act. You know, friends, your character of faith will never find true maturity without waiting. It is not possible. The school of waiting is a school that we all have to do have to obtain our diploma in. We will not ever get out of that school without the diploma. What is the diploma? That you have that divine capacity of trust formed in your heart that patiently waits for God to act, that has that blessed assurance. No, 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 it's okay. Yeah, no. No, no, I trust God. Yeah, but you don't see any. Yeah, no, I know. I trust God. You see, you have that supernatural grace grown in your heart over years. Like David would say in Psalm 40, I waited patiently on the Lord and he inclined to my, inclined to me and he heard my cry and delivered me out of a horrible pit. Lamentations 3 verse 26, it's good that one should wait and trust in the Lord. That, that, that spirit has to be so strong inside of you that people can look at you and say, well, nothing is changing. You go, no, I know. I know. I know. What is that knowing? It's that waiting, expectancy, dependent trust, reliance upon God. It's the very nature that God longs for to see in your and my heart. 
And people can say, yeah, but that man has some failings and weaknesses. And the Lord says, I know, he's, he's grown, he's mature. Yeah, but, but Father, why do you use it? I know him. He waits on me. He trusts me. He trusts me. So yes, he needs to mature in those areas, but I know his spirit stays one with me no matter what circumstances. You see, you can have people with the best skills, but if their hearts are not loyal, you can't choose them. Loyalty of heart is expressed in the power of being able to wait, trust, rely, and depend. And here David says, I'm waiting for my God to act in verse 3 of Psalm 69. I cannot even count all those who hate me without cause. They're influential men, these who plot to kill me. Though I'm innocent, they demand that I'm punished for what I didn't do. Oh God, you know so well how stupid I am and you know all my sins O oh Lord God of the armies of heaven don't let me be a stumbling block to, to those who trust in you O oh God of Israel don't let me cause them to be confused though I'm mocked and cursed and shamed for your sake even my own brothers pretend they don't know me my zeal for God and his work burns hot within me and because, and because I advocate your cause your enemies insult me even as they insult you how they scoff and mock me when I mourn and fast before the Lord how they talk about me when I wear sackcloth to show my humiliation and sorrow for my sins I am the talk of the town the song of the drunkard here it comes verse 13 but I keep right on praying to you Lord for now is the time you are bending down to hear. You are ready with a plentiful supply of love and kindness. Now answer my prayer and rescue me as you promised. Pull me out of the mire. Don't let me sink in. Rescue me. Don't let the floods overwhelm me or the ocean swallow me up. Save me from the pit that threatens me. Your loving kindness is wonderful. Your mercy is so plentiful, so tender and so kind. Quick, come, save me. Come, Lord, rescue me. Verse 13, but I keep right on praying to you, Lord, for now is the time you are bending down to here. You are ready with a plentiful supply of love and kindness. Oh, how I love that. How I love it. I, I have it so thickly underlined right here, my Bible. I just, I love it. I, I go back to my Bible and I look for that underlining and it reminds me, yeah, Psalm 69. I know that Psalms are well, but I just, I keep praying. And I charge you, my loving friends, who take time to watch these devotions, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. And you may maybe kind of go, yeah, but pastor, I don't see anything and nothing changes. Don't think that. Jesus says here in Luke chapter 18, then he spoke a parable to them in Luke 18 verse 1, that man always ought to pray and not lose heart. How many examples do we have in the Bible where people kept praying and didn't see a thing. Zechariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist. Remember, he was old man. If you study it a little bit, how old he was, they say, okay, 
they say. So it's not an argument, but it does make an interesting point that he was 99 years old when Elizabeth became pregnant. And she was 90 years old, same age as Abraham and Sarah, identical age, exact same age. So she gave birth to John the Baptist when she was 91 and he was 100 years old, exact same age as Abraham and Sarah. What's the point, Pastor? What God did for Abraham and Sarah, he can do for you. What God did for Zechariah and Elizabeth, he can do for you. And what I love about these beautiful people, oh, how they are such an example to me. It talks here in Luke chapter 1. Look what it says here in chapter 1. Zechariah and Elizabeth, right? Verse 5. It says in verse 6, they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. What did the angels say to Zechariah? Do not be afraid, verse 13, Zechariah. Listen, verse 13 of Luke chapter 1. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your Prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Come on. It makes the point right there. I keep praying. I keep praying. I keep praying. Yeah, but Pastor, you haven't seen anything. Well, you know, if anything, what I see is a wonderful relationship with my father. And my life and my future... Is in, in, is in his hands. David says in Psalm 16, verse 2, I have no goodness apart from you, O Lord. Or the New English translation says it this way, all the good things come from you, for you give me all that I need. My future is in your hand. You know, friends, keep praying. I keep praying. I keep praying. You have so many examples John G. Lake, phenomenal man of God. You, you can Google and find his books and sermons. They are incredible. John G. Lake, he writes a letter. I have it somewhere. He says, would you like to know, written by John G. Lake, why we had such phenomenal and revival, why we had such phenomenal revival in Africa? He, said, he says in this letter, I wish I had it right here and read it to you. He says, we had no more missions money coming in. We had all these missionaries out on the field that we were supporting. I called them all in from the field. And I said to them all in this conference, the resources have completely dried up. We're not able to send you any more money. There's no more money coming in. And all the missionaries asked me to leave the room. And I left the room. And they called me back in a bit later. And in the middle of the room, there was a table with the Lord's bread and the Lord's wine. And they said to John T. Lake, we want you to share communion with us because we're going back. We're going back to the field. And if, our, if we die there and our children die there, we die there as a seed for the Lord, but we're going back. 
and he shared communion. And John G. Lake said, he said that following year, I buried something like 36 of them. He said, do you want to know why we had such revival? Friends, prayer is one of the greatest seeds you can sow. Don't ever give up believing. Don't ever give up praying. Don't ever stop praying. Jesus said, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Don't give up prayer. Moses, he says here in Deuteronomy chapter 9, Deuteronomy chapter 9, Deuteronomy chapter 9, starting at verse 18, he says, I fell down before the Lord as at first 40 days and 40 nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all your sin which you had committed in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. I was afraid of the anger and the hot displeasure with which the Lord was angry with you to destroy you. But the Lord listened to me at that time also. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron and would have destroyed him. So I prayed for Aaron also at the same time. Then I took your sin and the calf which you had made and burned it and so forth and so forth. And then he says in verse 25, thus I prostrated myself before the Lord 40 days and 40 nights, listen, and kept prostrating myself because the Lord said he would destroy you. Oh, hallelujah. May we have that kind of spirit of prayer. And I speak to myself while I'm talking to you folks. I'm speaking to myself. I cannot boast myself that I get up in the morning, step time of prayer. So much of that, I get filled with the Holy Spirit and I'm blessed. And I needed to be able to live a holy, godly life every day while I'm in this flesh. Without it, I fail and fall, and I know. But friends, God needs me, He needs you. I really feel compelled oh, that the Lord would help me to be more like Moses that I keep prostrating myself in prayer before him and say, Lord, let this not be a, a day of judgment for, for Britain. Let this not be a day of judgment for the world, but let this be a day of revival. Let this be a day of mercy. Let this be a day of grace. Let this be a day of glory. Father, begin to exalt your name. Begin to exalt your name. Begin to glorify your name. You see, when Moses was so prostrating and praying and praying and kept falling before the Lord because he felt the horrible pain of the wrath of God against humanity, and he kept praying because he could feel the judgment, he began to experience the mercy that triumphs over judgment as he came from the mountain with his face radiant with God's mercy, seeing the nation turn from darkness to light and the power of Satan to God. We need this today. We need this today. We do. We need it. Your family needs it. Your marriage needs it. You know, it's amazing how sometimes we just don't want to lay down our life anymore. And I know things have to come to a head and things have to change. I know in my life, God has certain times brought things to a head and that was it. Change came. And usually, Usually, folks, change comes in quite a dramatic way, quite a demonstrative way. 
quite a confrontational way. And in the end, we can see that the Lord triumphed through his mercy over all the judgment that should have been there. And any of the people that enter into that triumph have a humility of gratitude, a humility of thankfulness, a humility of broken surrender about them that the new generation needs to see in us today. None of us will be a good example if we pride ourselves in I've prayed, I've done, I've done. No, what the people need to see is not how amazing we are in prayer, but how wonderful God reveals himself in his mercy and love. It's about God and the precious souls, not about us. It's about to thine be the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Our prayers never to boast in ourselves or to give us some ministry emblem and to give us some reputation. No, my friends, no, my friends, don't ever seek glory for yourself, no matter how devoted, how dedicated, how consecrated. Moses was the most humble man and he turned the people to God so that God would be all in all. And that's what the Lord is looking for you. So I keep praying. Amen. Have a good